WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. The downtown commercial district in St. Joseph could be opened up to short-term rental units following a decision by city commissioners this week. Assistant City Manager Emily Hackworth told commissioners the Downtown Development Authority has looked at the nature of the downtown and determined upper floor spaces could be used by vacationers. The commercial downtown is used to having visitors and visitors staying within walking distance of restaurants and stores certainly increases commercial activity. And in addition, allowing short-term rentals could encourage economically viable redevelopment of underutilized upper floor spaces in existing buildings. We have quite a bit of that in the downtown. Hackworth said right now only the R3 Multiple Family Residence District and the Water Recreation District are open to short-term rentals. Commissioner Brooke Thomas wondered if allowing short-term rentals downtown would only benefit the wealthy, but Hackworth said she thinks the opposite could happen. I think that one of the benefits of this is that it could stimulate more housing development in the downtown, which I think could help bring more affordable housing to the city. The DDA has identified 58 apartments in the downtown commercial district, of which 35 have rental certificates, 7 are homesteads, and 16 are second homes. That's not including the Whitcomb or hotels. Commissioners approved a motion instructing staff to draft an update to the zoning ordinance to allow those downtown short-term rentals. Another vote would be needed. Meanwhile, the never-ending question of parking in the downtown area continues to be on the minds of St. Joe City Commissioners. At last night's meeting, they voted to hire Walker Consulting out of Ann Arbor to help study the issue and come up with a plan. Assistant City Manager Emily Hackworth told them the group and local leaders will engage the public as a strategy is drafted. We really got down to the brass tacks of what we need, which is some parking recommendations. We will then do some public engagement, which will be fabulous. We want the voices of all of our stakeholders, residents, downtown residents, business owners, downtown employees, visitors. So we will get those voices. We will continue to shape the recommendations from there. The consulting firm will be paid $60,000 for the study. The Downtown Development Authority requested the consultant be hired. Hackworth said whatever they come up with will be brought back to the City Commission. In the past, ideas for parking downtown have included the construction of a parking garage, installing meters, or opening a new lot. More than 40% of Michigan's private sector workforce does not have access to a retirement savings plan at work, according to a new survey from the AARP, and the organization wants to change that. AARP Associate State Director of Government Melissa Seifert tells us they're calling on the Michigan legislature to come up with a plan for small businesses to offer retirement savings to workers. We do want to make sure that these plans are mobile for the employees. So if they may not stay at that small business, they can take it to their next small business. And also want to make sure that these plans are easy for the small business to incorporate into their payroll deduction. Seifert says the survey found 79% of small businesses agree being able to offer a portable retirement savings program would help them both attract and retain quality employees, while nearly 62% are concerned their employees won't be able to retire due to a lack of one. She says it would serve the state well to come up with a portable retirement savings plan model. One of the things that we found through the survey is that the state of Michigan could save $81.7 million by helping people save for their own retirement and not be going on public assistance later on in life. Seifert says other states have done this, including Illinois, Delaware, and California. The AARP is going to be talking with lawmakers throughout the summer. 
If you're heading to downtown St. Joseph to see the fireworks show on Monday, be sure to be prepared. Berrien County Parks Director Jill Adams tells us Silver Beach will be crowded that day. We do expect the parking lot to fill. We do have over 600 parking spaces, but some of that is limited due to the symphony concert occurring during the fireworks. Adams says there are some rules at the beach for everyone to remember. Portable grills and fireworks, personal fireworks, are not allowed. Think sparklers, think the lanterns, the floating lanterns. Those are prohibited from the county park. And no alcohol is allowed. St. Joseph Department of Public Safety Director Steve Newbecker tells us it's best to park above the bluff and remember to take a picture of a landmark near where you park. He notes the detours will take effect around 6.30 that day. Also, boaters should know the Blossom Land Bridge and Bicentennial Bridge will not open for boats until 1 a.m. so traffic can get out of the downtown area more efficiently next Monday. Congressman Tim Wahlberg celebrated the one-year anniversary of the overturning of Roe v. Wade this past weekend. Speaking on the YouTube channel of Family Research Council President Tony Perkins, Wahlberg said the Supreme Court decision to strike down abortion rights has not had much of an effect in Michigan. Michigan was one of the first pro-life states, 1931, to end abortion in Michigan. So sad. We can rejoice about Roe v. Wade finally being overturned. But subsequent to that, Michigan, in the last election, overturned life and now has laws in the state of Michigan that really are equal to California. So we've got a lot of work to do. Wahlberg said Democrats use abortion as an issue to win elections, which is what happened with the abortion vote after Roe v. Wade. He said a pro-life conservatives need to speak to young people and explain the issue rather than putting on a stern face. A couple of Berrien County Road projects have resumed after being delayed. The Berrien County Road Department says Phase 2 of work on Sawyer Road from Red Arrow Highway to the railroad tracks and the North Roosevelt Road repaving project in Lincoln Township both restarted today. The Sawyer Road work involves pavement milling, asphalt paving, and drainage improvements. Traffic control flaggers are in place, directing uh, drivers through the construction zone, and there will be some delays. Meanwhile, repaving of North Roosevelt Road from Glenlord to the dead end will have uh, flaggers in place as well. Drivers should expect delays. The road department has not released finish dates for either project. And get the phone out of your hand. Michigan's new distracted driving law will make it illegal to use your phone while driving, including texting, using GPS, and social media. Soon, here's Michigan State Police First Lieutenant Mike Shaw. Excessive speed is always number one. And we're not talking five miles over the speed limit. We're talking doing 100. I mean, we're seeing a lot of that now. Number two is distracted driving. And when we talk about distracted, I I think a lot of people don't realize there's really three types of distractions, right? You got your visual, your manual, and your cognitive. That means that you're looking down at your phone or something else, you know, to to distract you. Um, your, Your mind travels away from what you're doing. Or you take your hands off the wheel. The distracted driving law goes into effect on Friday. WSJM News now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News now continues brought to you by Imperial Furniture in Dwajak where furniture shopping is fun. The Supreme Court today announced a major decision in a case brought by North Carolina Republicans seeking a decision that essentially would give a state's lawmakers the sole power to set election laws. The Supreme Court struck that down, ruling that the Constitution, quote, does not exempt state legislatures from the ordinary constraints imposed by state law, including state court decisions. 
ABC political director Rick Klein tells us what implications this decision might have on the 2024 presidential election. What's notable here is that the Supreme Court really didn't even have to rule in this case. The court had been changed ideologically in North Carolina, meaning that the actual impact was not really going to be felt in North Carolina on redistricting. But this majority in the court decided to go there anyway. And it changes the legal landscape for 2024. It takes away one of the arrows that some Republican lawyers had in their potential quiver when it comes to litigating an election to essentially have the legislature come in and set its own rules. That's what the court here is saying cannot happen. The Justice Department's watchdog says negligence, misconduct, and job failures enabled Jeffrey Epstein to take his own life at a federal jail in New York City while awaiting trial on sex trafficking charges. Inspector General Michael Horowitz today cited the Federal Bureau of Prisons failure to assign Epstein a cellmate, problems with surveillance cameras, and surplus bed linens in Epstein's cell, despite a previous suicide attempt as factors in his 2019 death. Horowitz says there's no indication of foul play, reiterating the findings of other investigations. The Bureau of Prisons says it accepts Horowitz's recommendations and has updated its suicide watch process. At the White House today, President Biden had a special lunch meeting. ABC's Faith Abube has more. For the first time since he was seen at the White House for the unveiling of his official portrait, former President Barack Obama is back on the grounds this week. President Biden hosting him for a lunch Tuesday afternoon, according to White House officials. Earlier this month, the president and his former boss spoke on the phone. Later on in the day, President Biden is scheduled to depart for campaign events in Maryland and return back to the White House this evening. Faith Abube, ABC News, the White House. Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko has confirmed that Yevgeny Prigozhin has arrived in Belarus after his short-lived armed mutiny in Russia. The head of the mercenary group Wagner was exiled to Belarus as part of a deal that ended the weekend mutiny. Lukashenko said Tuesday Prigozhin and some of his troops would be welcome to stay in Belarus for some time at their own expense. Meanwhile, the Russian Defense Ministry says preparations are underway for Wagner to hand over its heavy weapons to the Russian military. Russian authorities say they've closed the criminal investigation into the uprising and are pressing no charges against Prigozhin or his troops after the deal. The special counsel investigating former President Donald Trump's role in efforts to overturn the 2020 election results is going to interview Georgia's Secretary of State tomorrow. More from ABC's Aaron Katursky. His spokesperson told ABC News Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger is expected to sit for an interview with special counsel Jack Smith. Raffensperger was the recipient of then-President Trump's phone call asking him to find the exact number of votes needed to win the state. I just want to find uh, 11,000 780 votes. Raffensperger later told the January 6th committee. What I knew is that we didn't have any votes to find. Trump's allies have argued nothing criminal occurred. Aaron Katursky, ABC News, New York. Scorching temperatures, meteorologists say, were brought on by a heat dome if taxed to the Texas power grid and threatened to bring record highs to the state before they're expected to expand to other parts of the U.S., National Weather Service forecaster Bob Oravec said today that the heat dome is expected to reach north through Kansas City and east of the Florida Panhandle and continue at least until the July 4th holiday. The National Integrated Heat Health Information System reports more than 46 million people are under heat alerts. Texas state climatologist John Nielsen Gammon said the dome is not unusual because this is the time of year the atmospheric conditions combine to create such a threat. The Biden administration is strongly opposing Israeli settlement expansion in the disputed West Bank. That's land the Palestinians also want for their future state. The peace process is in a deep freeze, but the most right-wing government in Israel's history now is expanding settlements at a record pace. More than 13,000 housing units already have been approved in just six months. 
A big chunk announced was announced on Monday, drawing criticism in Washington. ABC's Jonathan Miller has more from Jerusalem. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's far-right government approving plans to build more than 5,700 new housing units for Jewish settlers in the disputed West Bank. The move further straining ties with the Biden administration, which called it, quote, deeply troubling and an obstacle to peace. President Biden has not invited Netanyahu yet to the White House over his plans to radically overhaul Israel's judiciary, expanding settlements likely to keep the Oval Office door closed longer. Jordana Miller, ABC News, Jerusalem. The number of different e-cigarette devices sold in the U.S. has nearly tripled to more than 9,000 despite a three-year effort by the FDA to crack down on, uh, on flavors. The rise in electronic cigarettes has been almost entirely driven by a wave of cheap disposable devices imported from China. That's according to sales data obtained by the Associated Press. Most are sold in fruit and candy flavors that can appeal to teenagers. All are technically illegal, but they continue to flow into U.S. ports with little threat of retaliation. The trend underscores the FDA's inability to control the vaping market previously dominated by Juul and other reusable e-cigarettes. And there's a bit of good news on the inflation front. July 4th cookout costs are easing somewhat. More if maybe sees Will Reeve. Overall costs of summer cookouts are down about 3%. This is according to a market basket survey by the American Farm Bureau Federation. It says a 10-person cookout is going to cost about $68 this summer. That's definitely less than last year, still about 14% higher than 2021. The Federation blames a number of factors for those rising prices, including drought conditions. That increased the cost. But the Farm Bureau says when put in a global context, Americans spend a smaller percentage of their income on food than any other country. WSJM News Now continues with your weather forecast.